this is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand. I want to share with you a word today that will help you learn how to get unstuck in your life. Sometimes you can get stuck and not know what to do. I want to share some stories with you today, how I got stuck and how the Bible says you can get unstuck in your life and get beyond distractions and get to the place you want to be. So join me. It's going to be great. You don't want to leave. And if it blesses you, link in a sin to a friend. So stay right there. Glad you're back. Listen, today I want to camp at a verse, Galatians chapter five, and I want to talk about the main theme verse we've been using for this entire series. Now, the reason I picked the series is because I was concerned that as a church, as a person, as a father, as a husband, I can get stuck. And if I'm not careful, my whole life will be stuck in a place and I'll, I won't advance. And it's one of the most frustrating things in life. Being, being in a place where you feel that way. And some of you are there. You feel stuck. You feel like you just, you can't advance. I am convinced that one of the scariest things I've done in life is advance. Focus on something and stick with it and trust myself. But it has been rewarding for my life. It has helped me. But, but I'm constantly fighting it. Because my insecurities make me think, make, oh, don't, don't change anything. Oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't meet anybody new. Don't reach out. Don't go anyplace. And you just, I, I call it, manage yourself to the grave. It's one of the things I told my staff. I said, listen, I know you guys are, they're really efficient. I mean, they do they're really great work. They do great media work. They, they just, they're organized. But I said, the challenge for us is we will be organized to the grave. We will just basically do the same thing over and over and over and over again and never grow beyond where we are. If you want to grow beyond where you are, you have to push yourself and make sure you don't get entangled in a tradition and a routine that cannot be changed. It's one of the hard things about pastoring a church because churches are very ritualistic in terms of how they do things. Church are first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. And so that's, that's a ritual. And when I changed the ritual for us, it was emotional. It's like, oh man, what do you mean every fourth Sunday we're going to be home and we're going to watch just virtually? That's true. Virtual, virtual is how we are every fourth Sunday now. And it's, it's, very, it's very emotional because you, you're used to the ritual and, and you get entangled in that ritual and you can't see it another way. How many things are you entangled in? that you cannot see or think another way. Your mind is so fixated. And I understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm a very administratively driven person. I, I, uh, I used to say I love the smell of fax machines. I mean, I, I just love office. I love organizing. I love structure. But the problem with that is it can fool you because you can think that as long as things are structured, I'm progressing. But you could be entangled in something that could be a danger to you. Let me read a verse for you that's really important. It's in Galatians 5, and this has been the launching verse for this whole series. Here's what it says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again, again, with a yoke of bondage. The key thing in life, if you want to be a person who moves forward, is to identify the things that entangle you over and over and over again. And one of them could be traditionalism. That's what I just talked about. You get a tradition, say, okay, this is how we do it. This is what we do. This is how it goes. And we're not gonna change it. So you're wrapped around this tradition, this way of singing, the way of doing worship. You know, you sing the same songs every week, 
the same way. You start at the same time, late, you end late, you, you have this routine. <laughs> or either you, maybe you start on time, you end on time. Whatever it is, you can't change. That, that can be a, a bondage for you because you're not willing to explore broadening your life and you get stuck. And that's the reason why I started the series. I don't want our church, I don't want my ministry, I don't want my life, I don't want my marriage, I don't want my relationships, I don't want my health, I don't want my finances, I don't want anything in my life to get stuck. Stuck, and then I don't wanna be distracted so much so that I can't see it stuck. Because sometimes you get so distracted by the routine that you don't even see it. They used to say you can't see the forest for the trees. And I really believe it's important for me to, to, to make sure that doesn't happen. But it all starts with what he said in the first part of the verse. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. So the question is, what is the liberty? What is the freedom that God has for you? And once you find that liberty, stand fast in it. Now, in my life, the liberty is creativity. I am naturally innovative. I like being creative. And I am tempted to not be because, you know, whenever you break tradition, you know, you make people nervous. But there's a liberty in being creative. Finding that liberty that God has given me, that liberty that Christ has given me, and allowing myself to embrace that and not being entangled with fear is important. So let me ask you a question. What do you have the liberty to do that you won't do? What do you have the, what right now is in your hand, you could do it if you wanted to, but you don't, you won't do it. I think you have to come to a place that God told the Galatian church through Paul to come to. And I want to pose this in the form of questions. First of all, have you ever said, I refuse to allow myself to be entangled in a yoke of bondage? I refuse to do that again. I refuse to play what I call the again and again bondage game. I'm not going to stay in the same place and be tied up with the same thing over and over again. You've been dating the same kind of guys, going through the same kind of love relationships. You meet each other, you know, you fall in love, you know, you start doing what you shouldn't do or whatever. I'll let you figure that out. And then all of a sudden you're gone and you go back and all over again and you live in this cycle of bondage. You have to say, I refuse to be entangled in that again. You have to say to yourself, if you want to get unstuck, what you have to say is I refuse. I'm not going to be entangled in debt. I'm not going to be entangled in, I don't know what it is, fill in the blanks. You have to decide, this is what I'm not going to be entangled in again. I've decided that I'm not going to be entangled in certain physical bondages. I'm going to work out and exercise and do what I can because I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I don't, want, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the sluggish feeling. I don't want to do that. So I won't, I won't play the what I call the again and again bondage again. Now, I've been, I've been there. And in my life, I've been out of debt, in debt. I've been in bondage, out of bondage. I've been happy, been sad, up and down. I've had those experiences. I've felt secure and insecure. I have to, I've decided, listen, okay, Temple, you're not going to think these thoughts. You're not going to watch those. You're not going to watch that. You're not going to eat that. You're not going to do this is what you're going to do. I'm not going to put myself in some bondage, though. You know, I, I went through this thing where I said, I'm not going to eat any ice cream. I'm not going to eat any ice cream at all. Hallelujah. And so I went through this long period. And I, and I, and I, I want to blame my wife because she loves ice cream. So I went to this ice cream parlor and I'd get it for her. And then I would just kind of go give it to her in the car. And I just that's what I would do. And the other day, I was at the ice cream line, right, to get her an ice cream. And she said, you know, we have seasons, so she'll eat it for a while, then she'll take a good long break and then go back. And 
So this was her like last ice cream break for the next week or two or whatever time period. And um, so I went to the window and I was standing there and, and I says, uh, now there's a conversation going on. Okay, tell me, you're not getting the ice cream, right? You're not, you're not, you know, you're on this, you know, you've lost 21 pounds, 22 pounds. You're gonna, you're gonna no ice cream, right? None. And so I'm standing at the window and I'm in bondage. I'm, in, I'm entangled in bondage because here's the compromise for me. I already had worked out that day, right? And all my numbers were great and I was in a good spot and I already earned the right to have an ice cream cone. And I said, I'll tell you what you do, Temple. We're gonna get you an ice cream cone. I, this is before the lady came to the window and I'm waiting, going through this, this, this turmoil. You really want ice cream? Yeah, I do. I'm telling myself this, right? And I ordered ice cream. And I said, I'll work out later. And I did, I went home and worked out for a little bit to kind of give it that extra push, you know, make sure you burn up the sugar. But I, I just felt like, you know, that, that, that's where some of you live. That's why you stay stuck because you don't give yourself a break. That's my point. There's no break in your life. There's no, you live in this tight bondage. I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that. And you're entangled. It is, it's, that's, not how, that's not sustainable. I, I, did, I deny myself foods that are bad, um, and are great and wonderful, but then I have treat days where I allow myself to be free. If you wanna be an unstuck person, you have to refuse to be entangled, whether it be in legalism or in being extreme. I allow myself to dream about buying things. I allow myself to buy things. I allow myself to go places and have fun. I allow myself to vacation. I allow myself, here you go, ready to waste some money. That's right, waste. I want to just, this is not important. This makes no sense, but I love doing it. So I'm going to go and play a video game or something and spend five, 10, 15, whatever I want. 50 bucks if I want to, because I can afford it, people. $50, I got it. If I don't have it, I can borrow from my wife. But here's the deal. I can, I, my point is, there are moments when you get so entangled in being religious. And here's what I believe is important. Religious people in particular, you're entangled in church, you're entangled in religious service. You know, you'd never get a break. You're so devoted. I see pastors, they're, they're so devoted and they never take off. They get, I used to be this, I can't miss a Sunday. You can't miss a Sunday? Why? Why are you in, this is a bondage. Don't you see you're entangled in, and your family doesn't like it, your kids hate it. And, and when they, what they say is when I get older, I'm not coming to church. Because if I go, I'm going to get entangled. I don't, real, I don't think we even realize how much we're asking people. And we've taken away all their liberty. You read this verse and you want to read it one way, but if you read it fairly, here's what it says again. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. You're not, your life's not supposed to feel like bondage. Every day is just one big bondage. Sermon preparation for you pastors is a bondage. You know, cut the sermon in half, preach less, don't preach an hour, preach 30 minutes. I mean, come on, cut down to 20, make it fun. Get to the point that it's not a bondage for you. You're preparing the day before, you're preparing the night of. It's just terrible. And you live in this cycle and no one likes it. I always tell people, calculate how much, and I'm gonna just, I'm gonna get on this hobby horse for just a minute and I'm gonna get off, I promise. In order to go to church, just to go to church, it takes an average family about an hour and a half probably to get dressed. So if you got to be there at nine, you're up probably 7.30, 7 o'clock getting dressed to go to church, right? And not including if you are like me, you lay your clothes out the night before. That's how I do it. So as I know myself, I'll be late if I ain't careful. So that's an hour and a half. 
Then you get to church and you don't know when he's going to finish. You don't know when he's going to finish or she's going to finish. You don't know because church is when the Lord stopped moving. So you just say two hours. That, that's just a two hours. So that's two plus an hour and that's three and a half hours already committed. Now, you got to walk out the door. You got to get home. You got to take clothes off. You got to get dinner. You, that's another hour. That's four and a half hours. Commitment to one service. They want you to come twice a week. And if you are a volunteer, you get, you know, it, it, gets to be, it gets to be a part-time job. If you're not careful, you can make serving Christ a bondage. Well, Ricky Temple, let me ask you something. When I was in the nightclub, I used to be there all day. So why are you going to act like four and a half hours is too much to honor God? He gave you breath all week. Why you can't just loosen up and just go to the house of God and just sit there for two hours? Hallelujah. <laughs> well, my dear brother, sister, let me say something to you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to church for four hours. I've been there four or five hours. And as the pastor, I'm there all those hours. I understand. Here's what I'm saying, though. Understand what you're asking people. Understand that if you're not careful, you are an eight hour, 10 hour a week commitment. Plus money, plus time. And please understand, it's all adult centered most of the time. It's lecture centered most of the time. It's not something that a a middle schooler or a kid would enjoy. And so you may be happy with this system, but look at the results. They're leaving in droves. Look at the average age in your church. When's the last time you talked to young people and asked them how they felt about it? See, I've learned something. I have to make sure that I don't create things that entangle people. I need to make sure that I understand the power of giving people the opportunity to enjoy the liberty in Christ. I love church. I like people coming to church. I like to make it fun. I like to make it interesting. But I've learned something. If I'm not careful, I'll get people stuck. Now, you might you might say, well, Pastor Rick, I don't know if I like what you're saying. Well, just look at church attendance over the last 30, 40, 50 years. It's been doing this, been dropping, been dropping like a rock. People have stopped coming, stopped giving, stopped serving. Over 70 to 80 percent don't share their faith. There is a major problem with the way we're doing things. And sometimes that's because we're entangled, listen carefully, in one way of doing it. Open your mind, open your heart to a new way. You know, during the pandemic, it was really funny. Our kids showed me something that I didn't know. Because what we did was we took them outside and we discovered they like going outside. If kids organized church, there would be a recess after about 30 minutes. Okay, let's all go outside and come back in. <laughs> Their whole view of it would be different. They want to interact. They want to talk. I like people to come on, come together and leave together. Sometimes you're so long, everybody, nobody ever gets to leave together. Everybody's going out. You know, this person's got to go and that person's got to go. There's never any sense of unity and commitment to coming together, leaving together, having time to fellowship because we, we ask so much of people. We create a bondage for people. And I believe that hurts us. So if you really want to be unstuck, you want to unstuck your religious life, refuse to be entangled. Be free. Open your heart to new ways. Open new ways to do church, new ways to engage each other, new ways to learn, new ways to embrace people, new ways to run your family, 
Maybe every Saturday shouldn't be, let's clean up day. Maybe we should just keep it clean all week. And on Saturdays, we can maybe hang out together as a family. Or maybe if we can afford it, we might get somebody to help us around the house if we can afford it. Maybe we should use our money that way. God gave it to us. Maybe we're entangled in a culture. I want to make everybody clean up around here. So every Saturday at 6 o'clock, we get up and we clean the house from top to bottom. It's cleaning day. And they hate Saturday. They hate Saturday because it should be go to the beach, hang out day, family day, mom and daddy day. It should be something. Why, why are you entangled? Entangled in one way, entangled in the yoke of bondage. One way of seeing it, one way of disciplining. You yell, you scream, you threaten. Maybe we can talk. Maybe we're entangled in a culture and maybe the way to be free is to refuse to be entangled. Refuse to play the again and again bondage game and insist on, listen to this now, staying free. Not just starting off with freedom, but staying free. That's what he said. It's not just about starting it. And it's also saying to yourself, we're going to be different. We're going to work on being light and salt in the world. We want to be the kind of family that the kind of people that the world looks at and says, I want to be like them. So let me ask you something. When people look at you, what do they say? What do they see? Do they see a life they want to emulate or a life they don't want to emulate? There's a verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 that says, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, you give flavor. You are the preservers. That's what salt used to do. You are the ones that bring bring the sense of 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 strength and stability. When you look at salt, there's a I lo- you know I love I love love AI you know Chat GPT thing, and it really it's really powerful when you look at what it said about what salt meant in the Bible or in history. It's a great study. It's what it said. It said salt had to do with three things. It had to do with preservation. It had to do with with flavor. It had to do with this is important value and it had to do with covenant. Salt was so valuable they used it sometimes instead of money to trade with Roman soldiers would. But it also had this incredible idea metaphorically or and it painted this picture of this is my covenant with God. I want to be salt. I want I want to I want whenever wherever I go that's what your family should be. When your family's not in bondage, when you're not in bondage, when you're not stuck, you can be that flavor to the world. You get flavor. But not only that, second thing you do is you become light. I love this. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. Now, I want you to listen to how it says it. You are the light of the world. Now, this is not about you becoming some fashion show person where you walk around and say, look at my holiness. Oh, man, look at my... Look at my holiness. Look at how, look at how I don't cuss anymore. You know, <laughs> it's not that simple. It's about giving people hope. And here's what he said. You are a light, you're, you're a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see Watch this now, your good deeds and glorify your father. People will see what you do and they'll go, wow, look at that person. Are you a free person outside of bondage that has this impact on folks? That's what God wants for you to be. That's what he wants your family to be. He wants you to rise up and become the kind of person that makes a real difference. But it starts with you saying, I'm not going to live again and again in bondage. I'm going to be free. I'm going to get unstuck 
And when I get unstuck, I'm going to help others be unstuck. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to let God show me new ways to do things, new ways to run our family, new ways to manage our money, new ways to run the business, new ways to live, new ways to operate our church, new ways to deal with young people, new ways to engage conversation, new ways. Let's try a new way to manifest love. Let's try a new way to be married. Let's try a new way. It's something about being free that brings great joy. Now, I'm going to tell you something as I close. God's waiting on you. He's waiting. The next series we're about to jump into will answer the question we've been answering all year. I tell you, I answer one question a year, right? Why don't people do what they say they're going to do? Sometimes they don't do it because they're stuck and distracted. They're stuck and distracted. This whole month I talked about that. Next month, here's my other answer to the question. Why don't people do what they say they're going to do? Why they never get there? Because God's waiting on them and they have not positioned themselves to receive what God has. So God's waiting. And you're going to see in a study one of the guys that God waited on for 75 years before he can get him started. 75 years. There are times God's looking at you saying, you know, I'd like to get you some money, but golly, you're not ready yet. If I give you the money now, you're going to waste it. God has had to wait on me to grow up, wait on me to be disciplined, wait on me to change, wait on me to get myself together. And when I got myself together, he brought me the opportunity. But I had to be willing to be disciplined. He couldn't give me the responsibility of a staff if I can't manage myself. He can't give me a million dollars to manage if I can't manage 50. He can't give me two million. He can't give me three million. He can't give me ten. He can't give me millions to manage if I'm not willing to be disciplined. You can't have God's blessing in your life. You won't pay your taxes at all. You won't even try to do right. You won't admit you're wrong. How can you get to where you, God wants you to be? If he gave it to you, you'd mess up and get in trouble. So he loves you enough not to give you a mate because he knows you're going to be in another bad relationship because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. You cuss everyone out you love. You fight everybody you meet. As long as you do that, he's waiting. So won't you stop? I've been waiting for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Is God waiting on you? It's a great study. It's called waiting. And I believe God is waiting on you to stop being stuck and distracted. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in our time together today, in these 21 minutes, that what we've said has been helpful. Has lifted their hearts and their minds and given them something to think about. It's so easy to get stuck. It's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to lose our way. But the Bible says, be not again entangled in the yoke of bondage. Let this be a moment of freedom for us to rethink, to reanalyze our lives and to find a new way. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus name. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you as Savior. Let this be the moment that they invite you to be the Lord of their life. If they don't know you, may this be that transforming moment that they say, Father, I need you in my life. I need a transformation. I need God's presence. And I pray for that in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you got that verse down. Now, we spent a lot of time talking about it, how you can be entangled and how you can be a person who is all tied up. But then God's goal is to free you from that bondage forever. And the goal in your life should be, Father, I want to be the light you want me to be, the salt in the world. I want to be that person, not an entangled person. So let me pray for you. Father, bless those today who've heard this message. May it inspire them, lift their hearts to a new place. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Listen, walk in freedom, be blessed. I'll see you next time right here with me as we continue our study now. You don't want to miss the next series. It's some good stuff coming down the pike that will bless your life and lift you. It's a sermon series that's coming called Waiting. That's right, waiting. What in the world stops people from reaching their goals in life? It's because they have God waiting on them. I give you a hint. Abraham had God wait for 75 years before he can get started. He couldn't get started for 75 years. So go look up the series, Waiting. God is waiting on you. And I want to tell you right now, if you're not careful, he makes you wait. We make, we make God wait. And he has to say, you know, I want to bless them, but I can't. It's taken so long for them to get in step. And so they're stuck and distracted. I want to bless them, but I can't because they're not ready yet. It's going to take 75 years before I can get that boy Abraham started. How long will it take you? You don't want to miss that series. It's going to be a good series. You don't want to miss it. See you next time. I got to go. Bye. Be blessed. Don't be stuck and don't be distracted.